You are listening to Uncommentary. Hey folks, this is Marty. I want to remind you again about my friend Byron at Hearts and Minds Books and encourage you to order from this uh, independent bookstore up in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's heartsandmindsbooks.com, and when you go there, you'll see easily the navigation to uh, request a book or to ask about a book. Uh, they're super helpful. If you'll mention Uncommentary, uh, on some books you can get a discount. They can't discount everything because of the nature of their small operation, but when they can, they do. And I really encourage you to check him out. Uh, he mentioned to me recently that there has been some business come, come his way as a result of the podcast. That makes me like really happy. That's heartsandmindsbooks.com. Uh, you can actually leave a card on file. I do this all the time. And then email him when you want a new book and how you want it shipped to you. And he can handle it uh, right there through your email. And uh, it's really, really encouraging to him. And so I encourage you to check him out. Well, this is uh, January 14th when I'm making this recording, and a lot of things are going on. The The Capitol insurrection was just over a week ago. Uh, the president's been kicked off of multiple social media-type platforms, a major social media platform uh, called Parler, maybe not major in terms of size, but certainly in terms of growing influence, uh, has lost its home. And uh, a lot of people are concerned about a lot of things related to speech and First Amendment and uh, freedom of expression and all those kinds of good things that we enjoy uh, as Americans. And so I wanted to uh, talk to someone who's got some expertise in this. This is a guy that I used to work with who has uh, self-educated, so he doesn't have a, a no master's degree in social media evaluation, uh, but he's done an enormous amount of reading and study. Uh, he authors a, uh, a biweekly, uh, newsletter through Substack that you'll hear about in, uh, in just a few minutes and, um, just is a, a really strong, uh, wise voice about social media as tools, as platforms, uh, and the effects that we're seeing in some, uh, some people's lives. So the last few days I've been kind of trolling, uh, QAnon, uh, posts and things that people are demonstrating, both the people who are producing the content and people who screen grab it and, uh, and share it. And, um, it's, it's, it goes without say it's inarguable that social media is playing a role in the, uh, conspiracy theory, heavy time that we're living in. And, uh, we just need to be aware of what's going on. Uh, we as in, all of you, our listeners, and then we as in people that we know, our parents, our kids, uh, looking out for each other is pretty important right now. And so Chris is going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be able to give us any solution to that, but he'll at least tell us how to be more aware of some of the things that are going on around us and uh, maybe some thoughts and ideas that you can share with people that you care about. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Chris Martin. Well, if you're on Twitter a lot and you're hanging out anywhere around my uh, normal Twitter threads, then you might have run across my next guest on Uncommentary. His name is Chris Martin. He lives here uh, just outside of Nashville. His official adulting job is uh, content marketing editor at Moody Publishers. But you also work with social media and some other stuff up there. Is that right? 
yeah, I do a bit of that from time to time. Uh, they have their own. They have they have a great uh, marketing team that does most of the social media and marketing work around their books. But because they know my background and a lot of uh, what I've written on and what I've uh, done in my past life at Lifeway, they know um, that they can kind of call on me for um, feedback or or uh, constructive criticism or um, help really an extra hand whenever they need it in the social space. So yeah, I, I help out either, uh, in that spot now and now and then for sure. So do you think I'll be able to get a hundred bucks for each from Moody and Lifeway since we just dropped their names? <laughs> uh, probably not, but, um, but you, you can ask some folks and maybe, maybe I don't even know. Why do I even have you on this show, man? That's, that was my <laughs> whole reason for having you on here was to get some playing. All right. Yeah. All right. So you also author, um, a newsletter called Terms of Service, which I highly recommend, and you can go ahead. You can at, uh, at the end tell everybody how to subscribe, and you're going to publish a book by the same name, right? Uh, in February yeah. of next year, that'd be 2022. Yeah. With Ben yeah. H, uh, mm-hmm. have a wife and a relatively new daughter, right? Six months old. Uh, nine now. Wow, yeah. you're getting old, dude. I know. <laughs> uh, and a dog named Rizzo. Is that after that uh, character in Greece? No, but people ask that quite often. Uh, it's named after the Chicago Cubs' current first baseman, Anthony Rizzo. Oh, okay. Well, I don't yes. know anything about your Chicago sports squads, dude. <laughs> yes. So, Chris Martin, welcome to Uncommentary. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. It's really good to be here, and it's fun to uh, – I've listened to this podcast a number of times. I don't listen – just know I'm, I'm not dissing you. I don't listen to any podcast every week anymore like I used to. Right. I do more audiobooks now than I used to, so that's taken a bit up of podcasts. I'm sorry. Also, this, connect, this connection seems to be getting really weak here. Well, you said something about you listening to my podcast every week. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> what I said, yeah. Um, but especially now that I don't have a commute to downtown Nashville every day, my my time for audio consumption has gone down. Yeah. So, um, but uh, it's fun to be on, and and obviously I've been friends with you for a number of years now. So I guess, gosh, it's dude, it's, I gave uh, you your first adulting job. I know, I know. Eight eight years. Well, Is that has it been? Right? Wow. We're getting we're getting there. Yeah, it'll be eight years this year, I guess. I won't so. I won't bring up the name of our uh, our boss who got so. Um, frustrated about how much we spent to fly you in for that interview (laughs) (laughs) i still remember i was living in kalamazoo michigan in a in a uh trailer a fifth wheel yeah Susie and i just got married and i was interviewing at lifeway and i was like i don't really know much about lifeway but uh i'll I'll go interview there and i remember (laughs) flying leaving kalamazoo michigan which is a small town like southwestern michigan at like 3 30 in the morning uh, flying out of uh, that area, uh, Grand Rapids maybe or something. I don't even remember where I flew out I of. I have no and then, idea. And then through Detroit to Nashville, and I got back to Kalamazoo by like 11 o'clock that night. That it was amazing. the longest day I've ever had. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. <clears throat> so uh, so everybody knows, uh, you and I do know each other. We've we've known each other for quite some time, worked together for quite some time. And um, the, the achievements that you have made in – Social media and media, uh, generally speaking, with your breadth of knowledge and your study is is no surprise to me. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you on here, not not just as a friend and former co-worker and all those good things, but as a person who really is an expert uh, in the field of social media and communications and uh, actually writing a book on it. So um, so let's just start off with kind of where we are right now, and then we'll get to some other more technical kind of questions. But um, the the current landscape. So this is uh, this is the Thursday after Parler has been 
booted by everybody like they actually have the bubonic plague and nobody wants to be around them anymore except one real sketchy place that decided to host them. Um, so, and, and the president has been kicked off of Twitter and TikTok and Facebook and whatever, MySpace and GeoCities and any, <laughs> any other, anybody that could get a foot back, they kicked him off of whatever he was on. Um, so kind of, what is this, what does this mean? What we know what we're seeing, what does it mean? Yeah, it's, a, that's a really good question. I've thought about this a lot. I've had a lot of conversations with friends about this. Um, really it means more and less than everyone thinks it means, which is a non-answer answer. But I think these moves are incredibly consequential and at the same time, um, not maybe as consequential or or alarmist as we should think. So let's talk about first how they are consequential. Um, we've never seen anything like this right. ever. Um, this is, dare we say, unprecedented. Yeah. Um, and uh, because these platforms have been unprecedented, I guess. Uh, so Ooh, boo. we uh, that's a bad joke. I'm a dad now, so I can make this. <laughs> um, so but. Yeah, I mean, we've, we really have never seen anything like this. I mean, it's a, it is a whole set. I mean, you want to talk about a lot of people complain about or, or bloviate on cancel culture. I mean, this is the purest form of it yeah, we've this ever is, seen. This is right at the top. Um, yeah. And, and we, we have, uh, the internet, the powers that be that control the internet have decided if you were affiliated with the insurrection of the U.S. Capitol building on January 6th, we want no part of you. Mm -hmm. And th that's incredibly consequential. I yeah. mean, that's um, it's not just a lot of people, especially when President Trump was booted from Twitter the Friday following. I guess that was the eighth. Um, a lot of people have said it's a it's a free speech thing or or and like a lot of anti-social media company rhetoric. Right. Um, which I've written plenty of it, plenty of in my time for different reasons. But it's far beyond social media at this point. Um, that was just kind of the beginning. Um, that kind of took away the megaphone from the president and the, and the extremists who follow him and, mm -hmm. and committed the act they committed. But I mean, it's far, it, we're at, we're at like the servers that host these places at this point. So, um, it's going a lot further than just a social media problem or a social media s situation. So it's incredibly consequential that this happened. Um, and what it, what it means, what it doesn't mean is that conservatives are being attacked on social media. So as we talk here on Thursday, the 14th, um, tomorrow on Friday, the 15th, I have an email newsletter going out. Uh, typically my Friday, my Monday and Friday newsletters are just for paid subscribers. But this week, because they're about some current issues that are uh, very concerning and popular right now. I'm kind of sending it to everybody just so that we can all be informed. But tomorrow I'm sending out this email to everybody saying, asking the question, are conservatives being unfairly censored on social media? Because mm -hmm. that's a narrative I've seen a lot of people saying is, you know, conservatives are being silenced and, you know, are Christians going to be next? Uh, and, and are they going to deplatform all Christians and all this kind of stuff? Um, I think the answer to the question of are conservatives being deplatformed uh, the answer is yes but they're not being deplatformed because they're conservatives they're being deplatformed because they're disproportionately inciting violence using these platforms um right now anyway and so i think uh yeah there's a lot of deplatforming of 
traditionally conservative voices happening. But it's not like conservatives are being deplatformed for talking about reducing taxes or right. uh, or strengthening immigration policy. Well, here's here's or, the thing that um <clears throat> that I've been thinking about over the last couple of days. Um, my Twitter feed has been like remarkably not confrontational. Yeah. Very, very little pushback. And like, I'm not like, you know, burning down the world or anything, but, but sure. I've, I've been in the last, I don't know, three or four months, I've been a little bit more straightforward with some things than I had been previously. And, but I mean, not like, again, I'm not like, I, I'm not the opposite of Charlie Kirk or anything like that. I'm not like sure. bombastic about things usually, but I have noticed since there was this, Hey, everybody, let's go to parlor. Since there was a, a, a wide and loud, uh, overt move amongst conservatives uh, to de- to to leave Twitter and for many of them leave Facebook and go to Parler, that they actually did it. They yeah. they did not hang around uh, in numbers. They left in numbers. And my social media is a uh, is a reflection, I guess, or the lack of their presence. Uh, when I still consider myself in in many many ways, I'm center right. I'm not like ultra sure. conservative. I'm certainly not. To, somebody called me a leftist the other day. I'm like, dude, do you even do you even language? I mean, what <laughs> in the world? How do you? Get, I'm. A, I mean, I'm more conservative than some of the people in Congress that are conservatives on right. a lot of things. This dude calls me a leftist because I'm not as conservative as he is on something. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. But it does seem to me that some of the quote unquote deplatforming is a result of this mass migration to a platform that people were using to plan an insurrection against the government. Correct. And the the um here's the thing that I've seen that's kind of a disconnect or an inconsistency. Um you know, a lot of folks are saying First Amendment violation, which that's totally not what's going on. I explain that in my newsletter tomorrow, but if you know anything about the First Amendment, you know that uh, the First Amendment applies to the government infringing on speech, not private organizations. Right. So if you're in favor of a Christian bake shop refusing to serve or to, to create a uh, wedding cake for a homosexual wedding, you also should support social media companies being able to decide who can and can't use their platform. It's mm-hmm. it's a um, – it would be a logical inconsistency to say people can refuse to make cakes for whoever they want, but social media platforms have to let everyone use their platform. And so – Frankly, you know, a lot of people have also said, all right, this thought has also just run through my head. Well, you know, if Apple bans Parler from its app store, that's not going to keep people from downloading Parler. So should they really do that? Uh, is that really solving the problem? You know, it's it's like it's like whack-a-mole. It's like far right or extremist whack-a-mole. You can whack one hole, but it's just going to pop up somewhere else. It's not like you're going to make the problem go away. Yeah. But that's not Apple or Facebook or Twitter. None of these platforms are under the impression that by refusing service to these people they're going to solve the problem none of them think that a they will what what deplatforming these extremists from these platforms will do is it will keep your your sister or your cousin or my aunt normal people who don't go to these dark corners of the internet it will keep them from getting caught up in a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So there is a there is a situation in which this deplatforming does prevent extremism from becoming more mainstream, uh, which I think is important because I was I've been hearing horror stories from friends whose parents or or uh, siblings or others who are nowhere near far right in any way. Uh, they might be Donald Trump supporters, but they're not 
espousing Q theories or mm-hmm. anything like that are getting caught up in some of this stuff now because it's gone mainstream in a lot of ways it hasn't before. So I think it is important that these platforms do kind of turn off the spigot to these extremists on their sites. However, I think the thing that we just need to remember is Apple or Facebook or Twitter has every right to decide with whom they will and will not do business. Mm -hmm. And if they decide that they don't want to do business with people who think it's okay to overthrow the United States government, they have every right to do that. Um, And in this case, it was people who would call themselves conservatives or patriots. Um, In two years, they might have to make the same decision for people on the far left who are anarchists of some other kind. And I I don't think – I don't think if you saw – Black Lives Matter protesters literally trying to overthrow the U.S. government, that the reaction from these platforms would have been much different. People are going to disagree with me on that. Um, but I I really think that a, a line was crossed that's far more than political here. Yeah, I mean, I, I told Sonia last night, you know, we always talk about the peaceful transfer of power from one president to the next. And it looks like there is going to be a, a transfer of power. And it looks like there's going to be enough uh, firepower in the Capitol to prevent something like this from happening again. But we already crossed the line. It was not a peaceful transfer of power. And so for Tim Cook and you know Sergey Brin or whoever's the head of Apple or uh, Google now and <clears throat> for these other big tech companies to look at that situation and say this is a line that no, that we didn't even cross in the 60s this is a, this is a line that we didn't cross in the 70s when there were bombings taking place where there was an actual assault on the physical capitol building by a mass of people trying to by their own words kill people and i think for for many of them it was even beyond i mean apple could they could stay in court on multiple fronts for the rest of mine and yours life and our grandkids too they got so yeah, much yeah. money so it's not just about they don't want to be sued that that would be my excuse for not doing something <laughs> i don't want sure. to be sued apple doesn't care amazon doesn't care they've got plenty of money so it has to be beyond just the financial thing. I mean, I saw guys on Facebook, no more buying from Amazon for me. I'm like, dude, are you serious? You (laughs) honestly think that you planting that flag right there is going to do something that actually affects Amazon in some way. And of course the answer to that is, is just wildly no. Um, so we're going to, we're going to pause for just a second and come back and pick up, uh, you listening to none commentary with my guest, Chris Martin, the author of the Terms of Service newsletter and forthcoming book of the same name, and we'll be right back after this. Well, if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen me mention the Uncommentary Book Club, and this is something I'm super excited about, and I hope that uh, all of you will participate in this opportunity. So one of our listeners, one uh, um, a listener of Uncommentary, actually suggested this. He ran the idea up the flagpole And I double-checked with Byron at Hearts and Minds Books to see if we'd be able to pull this off, and he was amenable to it. So here's what's going on with the uh, Uncommentary Book Club. So you have an opportunity. This this has got to be low-tech because none of us have the ability to pull off something super big like used to be back in the day, the Columbia Book Club or Book of the Month Club or those kinds of things. This is technically a Book of the Month Club, but there's not going to be a, a flyer and options and that kind of thing. This is the way it's going to be set up. If you'd like to be a member of the Uncommentary Book Club uh, and you are currently a Patreon supporter as of January 9th, 2021, then you can opt in just by joining. So if you're at the $2 level, the $3 level, the $5 level, the $10 level, the $20 level, uh, you can opt in just by joining. You don't have to do anything extra beyond that. So I encourage you to do that as quickly as you can. 
if you are not currently an Uncommentary supporter uh, through Patreon, this is how you can join the Uncommentary Book Club. Uh, go to my Patreon page and select the book club level. It's $4 a month, which is very little. You know, it's two Cokes and two candy bars or one meal, less than a meal at Chick-fil-A. Um, the $4 level, that's the book club level that gets you into uh, the book club. That doesn't buy you any books. It doesn't get you any any rewards uh, other than a sticker, a logo sticker. You'll get that. Uh, but you'll be able to join the Uncommentary Book Club. This is the way that it will work. Every month, uh, Byron and I will work together to curate a new or newish book or a really good classic older book, um, and it'll be sent to you. Then I will interview the author. So we're not going to be sending you anything. We're not going to be sending you Beowulf or the works of Shakespeare. Uh, there will be an author interview with every book in the book club. Uh, there will be um, the opportunity to get the book, to hear the interview. Um, the book will be bought from Hearts and Minds Books. So you're not buying anything from Patreon. You're not buying anything from Uncommentary, anything like that. You'll be... Uh, your information will be with Hearts and Minds. It'll be secure with Hearts and Minds. Your address will be with Hearts and Minds. And you'll you'll get the book every month. And then you'll have, uh, there'll be an author interview that you can listen to. Um, the books will be between, generally speaking, be between $25 and $30 a month. That will include a discount and shipping. So you won't get a bill for a book and a whole bunch of extra money to have it shipped to you. Uh, it'll be at one price all inclusive, and we're going to keep it in the as best we can in the twenty-five to thirty-dollar range. So it'll be automatic. You need to be aware of that. It'll be automatic. If you're in the book club, you'll automatically get the book each month. I don't think you're going to have to worry about a concern of getting bad books. If you're in Patreon, we will keep a running. I will keep a running list in there of the books that are coming up, so that you'll be sure not to go and buy them for yourself. Uh, you'll get them. So. The $4 level, if you're a current Patreon supporter of Uncommentary, you can join. All you have to do is let me know in Patreon that you want to join. Send me a message in Patreon that you want to join. And I will pass your information to Hearts and Minds. If you're new to Uncommentary, you need to join at the book club level at $4 a month. And then I will get your information uh, to Hearts and Minds. I'll connect you so that you can get your book every month. This will start in March, so you have some time. But I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that if you can. Um, second thing about it, the, the second step of the book club is I will attempt, and this will be no extra cost. I will attempt to help the members of the club who are interested in book discussions to facilitate an online, like a zoom discussion, uh, each month of the book that, uh, that's part of the book club. So that will, that's included with your book club cost, uh, at $4 a month in the future. What I hope to do, and this would be a different level of support is to have monthly the book, you get the book and there'll be uh, a zoom with the author itself. So this would be obviously a limited group of probably 10 people. Um, and you'd get to participate in a monthly zoom call with the author of the book of that month. So that'd be later in 2021. But right now, if you're interested, uh, go to the Patreon four bucks a month, go ahead and sign up the informational there. Uh, and we'll get started with books in March and, um, Thanks. So on the subject of uh, conspiracy theories, you mentioned QAnon a minute ago. Um, I mean, good grief. Conspiracy theories have been around forever. There's still people who don't believe that humans have ever walked on the moon. They think it was all shot in the soundstage out in Las Vegas or wherever. 
you know, there actually was a conspiracy around what happened with John F. Kennedy. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Ted Cruz's daddy wasn't involved, but um, there there were questions. You know, how did Lee Harvey Oswald pull this off all by himself? How, you know, why was he shot by Jack Ruby? And, and there were these ideas of how far did this conspiracy go? Did it go to Castro? Did it go to you know, other people under the government was at the mafia. So there, there's always been these ideas of things are not exactly as they appear. Um, and people have even written books about them, but it seems like we're kind of in a different way right now where these wild, not, not remotely believable ideas about life and reality are now being embraced wholeheartedly by people and being driven seemingly by social media. Um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I've, I'm far from the um, authority on conspiracy theories. Like you said, there are people who have written some great books on this. Um, and, but I do think the internet has lent itself to conspiratorial thinking and the spread of conspiracy theories, unlike any communication platform in human history. And you, it, I draw this distinction in my book and you just did here i think there is a sort of harmlessness to jfk conspiracy theories or conspiracy theories about um if aliens have been on earth or if uh, the moon landing actually happened in part because those are conspiracy theories about things that have already happened they're not conspiracy theories necessarily in most of those cases that i just listed about life we're living right now right um and i think that is part of what makes today's conspiracy theories so possibly harmful and and violent is there about things that are currently going on not about actions that were taken and maybe why they were taken some shady reasons about why and so but what about social media and the internet so i think let's talk let's get nerdy here for a minute and i'm far from the math guy i'm, I'm the most anti-math guy you'll see yeah but you're not um, far from a nerd so go ahead Right. Yeah. Very not far from that. Um, one would say close. And so uh, but we need to talk about algorithms. So all social media, if, you, if you're very new to the understanding social media, the space beyond just scrolling and watching funny cat videos, all social media is governed by algorithms. That is math. Like what you see back in the day, Twitter used to be wholly governed by chronological content creation. So back in the day, you used to see on Twitter, whatever most recently was posted is what you would see at the top and then second most recent and then third most recent. Right. And you can still have that view of Twitter today if you set your app up correctly. Um, but still, even still, you'll see some content peppered in of your friend like this or your friend in, uh, commented on that or whatever. The same thing used to be true of Facebook, etc. cetera. Um, but now algorithms run everything. And there are a few reasons for that. Namely, when a platform is run by an algorithm, it more easily allows for the platforms to inject advertising so they can make more money. Also, algorithms, uh, when you see content that the algorithm has decided you would be interested in based on your activity on past pieces of content, you're more likely to see content that you like or that you're, that you're likely to engage with, whether it makes you happy or makes you sad. Sad. Um, and that will, if you see content that's interesting to you, you're more likely to engage and stay on the platform. So Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or TikTok and all of these platforms are governed by algorithms, math. That is, um, if you imagine it as just some big math equation, the variables in this math equation are what has Chris clicked on before? What has he liked? What has he commented? What has he shared? 
Um, what, what has he – one like Facebook knows when you stop scrolling for three seconds. That's considered an engagement because they say, well, it at least caught his eye. Maybe he didn't click on it, but it at least caught his eye. And they don't know for sure. Maybe you just stopped scrolling because you started having a conversation. But right. they take it as a <laughs> – as a, they take it as a small data point. And so the algorithms that undergird the social internet, all these different platforms, they're driven by engagement and attention. What gets the most engagement and what gets the most attention is boosted into more feeds in order to receive more attention and engagement. Viral content, this is how something goes viral, appeals to social media companies because it's a key way to help keep people on their feeds than on their competitors. So if Facebook does a really good job of understanding you and knowing what you find interesting, if they do a better job of that than Twitter or YouTube, you're more likely to spend time more time on Facebook than you are on Twitter or YouTube, and that means they can sell more ads to you than Twitter or YouTube can. So all of these platforms are trying to hack into our brains and understand what it is that's interesting to us. Now, the thing we have to remember is that these platforms don't care if this content's making us happy or sad or mad. The worst thing, the the unforgivable sin of social media companies is to deliver you content that makes you feel nothing. Mm -hmm. Some people may think, oh, yeah, Facebook just wants to make me happy. No, they quite frankly don't care. Um, they just want to make you feel something. An emotive they want to response. Make you yeah. Exactly. They want to make you feel mad or happy or sad any of those are equally valid in the eyes of Facebook or I'm calling out Facebook because it's the most common. Right. This applies really anywhere. But if any, um, I mean, if all of us Facebook users are honest, we can think of times that are frequent that yes. as we are scrolling through, we recognize those emotions in us. We feel our blood pressure rising over somebody who says something stupid. We, yes. we feel a smile coming on at somebody's anniversary or something like that. So I, I totally understand yeah. that. So so these algorithms calculate. They say, oh, Marty clicked on that. He shared that. He commented on that. And all of that stuff is remembered by the platform so that the next time you pull open the Facebook app, what you see is a calculated decision by this AI, this math, to deliver you what they think would be most interested to keep you from popping over to Twitter. Um, now, the problem with that in conspiracy theories – let's connect this back to conspiracy theories – Truth and reality, unfortunately, are usually pretty boring, and conspiracy theories are usually pretty interesting, emotive, and engaging, and often entertaining. And so when you think about the math that undergirds the social internet, all these different platforms from Facebook to Twitter to Snapchat to Instagram to YouTube, these platforms are designed to reward entertaining, emotive content more than their incentivized to reward boring content right and unfortunately for us conspiracy theories are more emotive and entertaining and engaging than the truth often is mm -hmm. i happen to believe that there probably was more going on with the killing of john f kennedy than just some wacko who decided to shoot him um, i actually think there is very likely something else was going on um, and so if a piece of content came across my feet and, and so the reason that's true, the reason theories about the JFK assassination persist is it's entertaining. It's interesting. It derives an emotive response from us that there must be something else going on than, oh, it's just some wacko who got a gun. That's boring, isn't yeah. it? It's the most boring, the most boring possibility of 
who killed JFK really is that it really was just some wacko with a gun who was anti-JFK. That's the most boring reality. Um, the other ones are much more interesting and entertaining and emotive. Um, and on social media, the math that decides what we see rewards emotion and entertainment rather than mundane truth. Um, and unfortunately, uh, this is what causes conspiracy theories to spread much more quickly than what's real and what's true. And I think what a lot of my book is trying to do, at least in the early manuscript that I just submitted, is just there's not a whole lot we can do to change the math that undergirds these billion-dollar companies, right? They're probably not going to change their how their platforms work that much because it's very lucrative. But what we need to do is to simply be aware of these things. We need to understand that uh, it's like the old um, adage uh, that goes uh, – the, there's an old fish swimming in the water and there are two younger fish swimming. And the younger fish swim by and the older fish says, hey, boys, how's the water today? And they say – uh, what the heck's water? And, yeah. he, and and the point is that the older fish recognizes that the fish are in water and they need this water in order to breathe and live and keep going. And theoretically, if he's saying, how's the water? He understands that there could be a world in which the water is toxic or poisoned or, or not good in some way. But the younger fish have no – they're just immersed in water. They don't even recognize the fact that they need it and need it to be relatively clean in order to survive. And what I'm hoping to do both in my weekly writing through my newsletter and through the book that eventually releases is to be the older fish swimming along and saying, hey, you're swimming in water. The water's not fine. The water's toxic. And here's what you need to understand in order to survive in this water. Because a lot of us scroll on Facebook, we scroll on Instagram or YouTube, and we just consume content without recognizing, you know, if we're pro-life, we see some Planned Parenthood ad pop up on our Facebook feed and we just get mad and we hop in the comments and rage comment about how they're killing babies left and right. And we do that to try to feel good. And what we don't realize is, A, that content was likely delivered to us in order to get us to engage. So we just took the bait in order to keep with the fish metaphor here. And B, because we engaged with that content, the Facebook algorithm now thinks we're probably going to want more of that content. Right. And so we'll likely see more right. of it. And so we just need to be aware of these things and understand that in a lot of ways we're being played in order for these companies to make money. And the more we recognize that, the more we'll be able to reel in not only our emotions but – understand that conspiracy theories abound and we might be able to tether ourselves to reality a little bit better. So I want to push on that a little bit and get away from the math and the algorithms, because I think what we're seeing now, especially with the prevalence of QAnon and the conspiracy theories around uh, the recent election is not math drawing us in. It's people just jumping in whole hog over uh, a situation that they deem is either unfair or unjust or wrong or illegal or whatever. And it seems like they're, they're looking, and I don't want to say they're looking for personal validation. I think maybe some people are, they're looking for a tribe and and certainly they have found it, but I think they're, they're looking for, they're looking to have their opinions proven, right? Um, they, they want, they want some information that will confirm what they believe is going on around them. Confirmation bias would be the normal term for that, I guess. But I don't see that in many people, it's, it's some kind of meanness or, anything like that. I think some people have speculated that our isolation in this moment with the pandemic and so much quarantining and people not out as much that they're looking for community and that a lot of the rise of these recent conspiracies, especially, especially related to QAnon type stuff 
is a result of people being separated. And the only place that they can find community, many of them can find community is in these discussions. And it's now at the point that it doesn't matter how outlandish the discussions get. There's an entire group of people that will go along with and promote and expand on these ideas to the point that they're, they're unrecognizable as anything that would work in the, in the real world. I mean, we're, we're almost into quantum quantum mechanics reality. We're, we're Spider-Man in the multiverse in some of these situations where JFK Jr. is going to come back and, and Trump is going to dump Mike Pence off the ticket and put JFK Jr. back on the ticket after he's been dead for 20 years or whatever. And, and people believed that this was the case. Um, is, is that, social media doing that or is that something beyond is that just a delivery tool for for meeting people's needs in this moment i i think social media is not what caused what you just described i think the um what we're seeing i think the pandemic i was actually thinking about that as it was happening on wednesday the 6th i was like man i wonder how much of this is just pent up like pandemic stuff and the lack of community and the isolation and and all of that and i think there's a really valid case to be made there i don't think social media um gets the blame for all of this but i do think it um i don't get it, i don't think it gets the blame for the phenomenon existing I think it gets the blame for the pervasiveness of it, like the gr- the growth of it. Because, for instance, I have tried to share a few pieces of content to try to pull people off the ledge, as it were. Because I've seen a lot of friends. Like I'm not a MAGA guy. I'm not a I'm not a Trump guy. But I do consider myself a, a center right conservative, as you do. Um, and I have no problem though working with or being friends with or certainly being family with people who are. Um, MAGA supporters, MAGA supporters and Trump supporters. It's not doesn't hinder my love for them or my ability to work with them or anything like that. But I've seen a lot of folks in my Facebook feeds or in my direct messages um, who have taken the leap from being a conservative Republican Trump supporter to being a QAnon supporter in the last since the election. Yeah. And I think social media, uh, the conspiracy theories or or um belief that the election was stolen or that the Democrats are conspiring to smuggle children, those ideas spread more quickly on Facebook than the idea that the election was actually pretty normal and that no Democrats aren't smuggling children and sex trafficking them. Because one is boring and one is fantastical. And what my fear is, is not that social media caused those theories to be, but that a lot more people are becoming indoctrinated on those theories because as the old, I guess, cliche goes, the um, a lie is getting around the world before the truth can get its shoes on or yeah. what, however that goes. Uh, and, and we'll I think we'll ask Mark Twain. I'll have Mark Twain on it. We'll ask him how that goes. Yeah, perfect. So that that is exactly what's happening is the the lies or the conspiracy theories that are incredibly emotive and entertaining are going viral before some piece of truth like i'll try to post some that write a, write a newsletter or or i just had a, an article at the gospel coalition today about this kind of phenomenon um that the truth won't go nearly as far or go get nearly as uh widespread or shared as the conspiracy will because the conspiracy is much more interesting and, and makes people feel more than the truth does yeah. and so i think the while i i'm 
definitely not going to blame social media for what's happening. I do think we need to look at social media for the pervasiveness and the kind of the um, the mainstream nature a lot of these extreme beliefs are taking. So tell everybody how they can subscribe to your newsletter. Yeah. So if you go to uh, first, if you find me on Twitter at Chris Martin 17, the newsletter is right in my bio there. Uh, you can also go to www.termsofservice.social. Um, it's a newsletter through Substack and it's a newsletter. It's basically like a blog. But instead of having to go to a website every day or follow me on Twitter, you just get it straight to your inbox. So same premise. Uh, Monday and Friday are for sub- paid subscribers. It's just like 50 bucks a year. Um, and those are full length blog posts. But every Wednesday is free and it's just a collection of helpful social media articles, everything from here's how to be better at Facebook strategy to here's how the algorithm's changing our minds and how we think. So a little bit of theory, a little bit of philosophy, and also a lot of practicality. Um, So termsofservice.social is where you can find that. All right. Chris Martin, thank you for joining me today. Thanks. As always, thank you for listening to Uncommentary. If you'd like to keep up with me on Twitter, it's at Marty Duran. If you'd like to follow the podcast account, it's at Uncommentary Pod. Please rate and review. And whichever podcatcher you listen to, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean uh, or Overcast or CastBox, whichever one you use, uh, if you can rate and review, then that would be awesome. It just helps with search results and gives some credibility uh, to the podcast itself. Uh, and as you have an opportunity, if you would promote it, whether you uh, put the link from uncommentarypodcast.com uh, on your Facebook page or if you tweet the link or retweet the uh, the initial broadcast that it's live, uh, anything like that to help spread the word is always appreciated. And as always, uh, Solideo Gloria, this is Marty Duran for Uncommentary Podcast. Uncommentary Podcast.